the Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and friends. Welcome to the show. This is episode 270 of the Boys of Tech, New Zealand's longest running tech podcast. This episode is for Thursday the 10th of April 2014. My name is Edwin Herman. I'm joined by my co-host Brett King. Welcome to the show, Brett. Hello, hello. Hey, it's good to have you on again. Brett, look, I thought we'd get together and do a midweek update show because there's been a few other things uh, worth talking about recently in the last few days. Now, first of all, a survey report by NTT Communications that they found that 88% of respondents have changed how they procure cloud services in the wake of the NSA, you know, of what Edward Snowden's been telling us. Well, good. It's nice to see that at least 88% of <laughs> respondents to the survey have some sense. Well, I think that's it's re- it's it's about recognizing reality and where Indeed, you sit with that. The reality is that that's <laughs> that people were living in a cloud about the cloud. They had the cloud, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And needed to be thinking a little more about their security and about the integrity and who they trust and where they trust. And yeah, and this survey has basically shown that. Because mm. six now that they surveyed a thousand IT decision makers across Europe, Asia, and the USA, and of those not currently using the cloud to store company data, sixty-two percent felt that the NSA revelations had prevented them from moving their operations towards it. Mm-hmm. And more than nine out of ten say said they would only purchase cloud services located in their own region. Indeed. Now we've talked about that at length, haven't we? We, we uh, have talked about that at length throughout the ever well, basically the evolution of the cloud stuff, or the cloud space, since Boys of Tech has been going. And I've always been of the opinion that the cloud is great, but the cloud near you is much better than the cloud far away. Yeah, yeah. For a number <laughs> the closer of re- the cloud is, the, the, the better it is for you. Well, there's a number of reasons for that too, right, Brett? There's obviously resilience and reliability and availability. Exactly. There is, there is speed and performance. That's yep. the second one. And the third is legislation. If exactly. it's in your country, If it's in your country... They are operating under the laws of your country. Exactly, and the they're operating under are. the same laws that you are. Yeah, that's the important thing there. If it? they are operating in a different com- country, then they are operating under a different set of laws than you are, and those laws might be more or less strict than yours and may uh, open up your data to somebody else's eyes. There's also a fourth thing as well, Brett. And it's not specific to cloud services. This is specific to any contract. When you're dealing with a offshore company and things turn bad, litigation is a lot harder. 
Oh, it's a indeed. lot more expensive. A lot more expensive. Whose jurisdiction does it go in? Do you have to actually physically be there to, yeah, to do the stuff. litigation? Mm. All that sort of stuff. And, you know, if you try to prosecute them in your area, your laws might support that prosecution. But if they're sitting in their home country, in their home territory, with laws which say that they can't, you know, they don't have to go over to yours and, you know, <laughs> um, and pay up or front up for whatever's mm, it happened. Very messy. It, is, it gets incredibly messy. So these mm. are things that must be thought about. And these are things about, you know, we have had a lot of hare and tortoise racing over the, the advances in technology and then the slower realisation about the implications of a lot of those advances in both positive and negative ways. And technology doesn't always have just positive implications. And here we can see what has always been touted as this brilliant, innovative, open revolution in content storage, data storage, technology. The cloud has got some seriously non-silver linings to it that you have to be aware of, that you must think about. And this survey has shown that a significant number of the correspondents there are now seriously considering the the dark clouds <laughs> brewing around cloud computing and the cloud data storage specifically because as soon as that data leaves your shores, leaves your area, it is out of your hands, out of your control and given up to somebody else. And we talked about that a little bit um, a couple episodes ago when we were talking about software as a service and the different things out there and, you know, how they were bringing lots of innovation, how they were changing the way that IT was delivered in different areas and businesses were thinking about the different stuff and, and what different online systems people were using for or doing all these brilliant things, which were really great and beneficial. But... It's just exactly the same as the story we're talking about here. Each one of those has a larger bowl of risks that you have to weigh up. And a lot of people don't weigh up those risks. But the survey and, the survey certainly shows that they're starting to. And I think the Edward Snowden revelations indeed. have changed and that a little bit. And that's, yeah, what the, that's why the well, that's why the study was, was conducted. Let me give you some more stats. 16% of respondents said that as a result of the leaks, they are deliberately delaying or cancelling potential cloud contracts, and 52% are taking extra precautions when looking into which cloud provider to use. Indeed, indeed. And you would hope that when they were making those discussions and looking into that, they would be also thinking about their own how they're going to utilize whatever cloud solution they choose and whether or not they're going to add their own level of, you know, security processes, encryption, whatever, to help mitigate any repercussions mm. from Look, their stuff getting out there. You know, I've been involved with an organization in procuring a couple of cloud services and there's a big process that they, they go through. There's, there's, uh, there's, uh, you know, they look at the legal side of things and certainly... Mm-hmm. Where the data is stored is certainly something that they want to know about. And whilst they haven't said in this case, well, they haven't said, no, we're not going with anything unless it's stored in New Zealand. What they are saying is that if it's stored in New Zealand, this is how we're going to do it. And it's a, there's a lot less um, 
you know, a lot fewer hoops to jump through, if you like. Uh, but if it's outside of New Zealand, we want to know this, this, this and that. We want to see this from the provider and that from the provider and so on. Precisely, because, you know, you might sign up with a provider that has a great service, great deal, but their local data is housed in a nation which has a direct competitor to you that may be oh, that's know, a good, involved yeah. in some mm. other some other way mm. and might be bigger in that jurisdiction than you are. Mm. Let me give you another stat as well. 82% of all respondents agreed with the proposal to separate data networks by continent. Mm. Uh, that's a, I mean, uh, to me, that uh, it doesn't tell the whole story really either, I, I think. I mean, yeah, that oh. might help. But I mean, the fact that it's, uh, the fact that something's in Oceania, in Australasia, if you like, uh, if, it's, if it's stored in Samoa, and we're here in New Zealand, that in itself isn't really, you know, no, here or there. Once, mm. Yeah, once mm. again, it's still a different jurisdiction. Yeah, exactly. Might be a, a smaller jurisdiction. Might be easier <laughs> to have litigation in a region which is closer to your own home region. Yeah, well, that is true. There is but, that. Mm. Um, it's still not as good as it being within the same same country legal jurisdiction. Yeah, yeah correct. Yeah, it is. It is. It's the the things that you need to consider when you're doing business because a lot of your business data is confidential in, you know, IP related to your business, innovations and research and development, things that are core to your business or your clients or your customers. And these are things that you don't want. The NSA and various offshoots and various other organizations and competitors, etc., having a squiz at. <laughs> so you've got to think about these things. You can't just go, this is a cloud provider and they've got, they're really cheap and we've got a good ping to them. If they are, if if that cloud provider happens to be purchasing its service, <laughs> its data warehouse services from a major competitor of yours. Mm, that is true. So there's a lot to consider. And I, I anyway, I thought I'd bring the story up because I knew. Well, I, I figured you'd have an interest in that. <laughs> you are, yeah, I'd have a lot of I'd have a lot of um, tinfoil hat things to say about it. <laughs> it is, you know, I, I freely admit that a lot of the stuff that I talk about is what a lot of people would consider tinfoil hat pessimistic thinking. But these are things that, as we have seen from the revelations from Mr. Snowden and a lot of the other things that have come out over the past couple of years, these are things that, while they might not happen often, when they do happen, they can be devastating. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. And, and you know what? Uh, you know, some of the things that have come so out got to from, think about it. Yeah, that's right. Some of the things that have come out from Edward Snowden before they had come out, people would say, oh, dismiss that and say, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. Indeed. So they he's would never do that. that. Yeah, they would never do that. Yeah, exactly. They would never do that. How would they? <laughs> I, I loved the, the, the best one uh, that this put paid to was the, you know, they would never be looking at everybody's, you know, everybody's phone conversations. They just do not have the money to have the machines and the data storage <laughs> to be able yeah. to do that. <laughs> And obviously, what we have seen here is, you know, one of the revelations he came out with was what? That the NSA had tapped all of the phone Mm. conversations and data from Mm. an entire region, country. Mm. (laughs) They might not have been able to store it for long, but they could catch it all. Yeah, yeah. 
and scan now, it all. In, so they can. These are the revelations that have come out. These now, things that people considered conspiracy theories before are have entirely been within the capability of any significantly large corporation, for instance. Now, Brett, look, I'm just looking at some stats and I thought, you know, I'll just pick on a couple of things. France and Germany have very very different ways of responding to the question, to what extent does geographical location matter in regard to where your company data is stored? In France, a very, 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 only a very small percentage, we're looking at maybe around 5% or so, it's hard to tell exactly from the graph, uh, indicated location doesn't matter at all. In Germany, that's closer to 15%. And there's a huge slice in France where they indicated, uh, uh, you know, uh, pretty much in the middle of that on, on the scale. So it's very interesting how they how there are these differences. Uh, France seemed quite in contrast to Germany, uh, and mm. the other the other countries on this particular graph, Hong Kong, UK, and USA, seem all somewhere in the middle. France is at one extreme; they don't really care. Just whatever. We just love cloud. We don't care yep. where it is. Germany is, you know, we don't want it unless it is in our country. Well. <laughs> <laughs> It's just the uh, different different attitudes, different way that the companies do business. There mm. are some significantly large, you know, multinational corporations in based in Germany that have major competitors based in other parts of the world. Mm. Now, so he, they would probably, he, you know, industrial manufacturing, that sort of stuff. So they would have a, a big interest in making sure their stuff wasn't looked at by their competitors. Mm. Here's another thing, the cloud provider location. They asked people whether they'd buy uh, or how likely they are to buy a cloud solution from a company whose data centers are located in in another country and then the same question about where the company is headquartered in another country. And what's interesting from this graph that I'm looking at is the two were answered fairly similarly. So whether the company is headquartered versus where the data center is located didn't really seem to make a lot of difference to the answer, which I, yeah. I'm somewhat surprised about. Well, I think they are uniquely intermingled when you think about it in a end result of something going wrong kind of way with litigation and what laws govern. Because if the data is within an area where a friendly law or, you know, your local law governs, then your data is within that law scope, right? Mm -hmm. And the same echoes if the company that is providing your cloud service is within your legal region, then you've got the same protection, the same, well, the same thought of protection, but you have or to also remember, site, yeah, but you have to remember, not, that's not the be all and end all, though, Brett. Because even if you have a company, if you've got a law that protects your data and allows you to go no, after, no, but people, this is what I'm saying, Brett. Just because protected, no, no, but if a company, if a cloud provider is headquartered in a certain country, let's say Australia, and you're an Australian company and you've procured their services, if their data centers are in the USA, that Australian company has certain obligations under US law. But the perception from the client is it's an Australian-based company. And so I can go after them with Australian laws, which protect me or govern me in the same way. 
Well, and that is I also true. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying it's not the only thing to consider. And I, well, I, I, I know that. I know that. What I'm trying to say is why I think these two aspects are linked. Oh, what? Okay. In right. the mind of the respondents. In the mind of the respondents. Okay, sure. Is sure. the fact that if the headquarters of this company is local, I can go after them because they're covered by the same laws. And if they break those laws, I can go after that company. If my data, if the company is overseas, but the data is local, my data is held within a, you know, the sphere of influence of of these laws and so protected in the same way so I can still mm. go after them. So that's why I'm, I I think that those two have been answered in a so similar, similar yeah, sure. because they have that link in the minds of the, the people thinking about those questions in this survey. Mm. When they are, are thinking about their data, their data where it is located, if it's located locally, their data comes uh, you know, gets covered under their laws, their data protection, their privacy laws, etc. If the company is here, then the company has to live up to those same laws, regardless of where they keep their data. Mm. So that's what I'm that's what I'm getting at. That's why I can see a link in that way. And that's why I think, you know, why there would be similar answers to those two questions. Could be entirely wrong, but that's the first thing that pops into my mind is person sitting there answering this sort of question when they think about the protection of their data. So you get that same sort of feeling. Mm. Well, Whether anyway, it's, it, I, it's right I don't know. I, th- I think the whole the whole the whole thing is is certainly what it's telling us is that companies are more aware of the implications of storing in the cloud, Indeed, and they're of, more careful of having it outside of your hands because that's mm. what you've got to remember about You're losing the control. Cloud is you have given control to someone else. You have an ephemeral connection to your data, but that that connection is controlled by somebody else. You may be paying for the service that you know that that data provision, but you are still giving your data to somebody else. That's right. Effectively, you are. So you, so All right. So, Brett, let's <laughs> let's leave that story there. It's been a good discussion. I knew that would uh, that you'd have a lot to say on that one. <laughs> You're very passionate about that sort of story. <laughs> but, That's good. You know, I am I'm all for people actually thinking about <laughs> the ramifications of things. Well, you know what, Brett? Look, this brings risk me... versus reward. Well, okay, what and you just said... You know, the risk is not worth the reward, and other times the risk is worth the reward if you can mitigate the risk by implementing something else. Okay, Brett, what you just said uh, kind of leads me to... Uh, to something that Apple announced uh, a while back. And I thought it was a very, very interesting... I think it says it all. Uh, when Apple attempted to... Def- well, not attempted. They they defined what they meant by privacy. And it was very, very succinct. Now, you might expect them, or any company for that matter, like Apple, to say privacy means that only... Uh, you know, your data can be seen by you or uh, that it's encrypted with, you know, ABC encryption system, blah, blah, blah. That's not what privacy means to Apple. What privacy means to Apple is that you have a full understanding of who has access to that data and how. That's privacy. And I think it's, I think it's, it comes back to what you were saying. It's about, really, if you think about it, it's about understanding. It's about, okay, this company can see it. If I don't want that, I don't buy that service. Yep. 
So it's it's about or understanding you implement and, and, an, an extra level of encryption. Well, all that, yeah, exactly. But you have <laughs> what I, it's about. Yeah, but this is the whole point, Brett. Right? You wouldn't know to do that if you didn't have that information. It's about having that information so you can make an informed decision. Precisely. So, and it's kind of you know along with what you said. All right, let's move on then. Uh, the Philadelphia skyscraper, the uh, Cirrus Center, had a Tetris game uh, uh, played on it, didn't it? Uh, Haven't we done this story before? (laughs) I I, I remember a story about a Philadelphia building Mm. having a computer game played on it. And we we did this story. I'm thinking Pong. They played Pong. They played Pong? It was a giant game of Pong and we we did a story on it like (laughs) a lot of episodes ago. Was it Pong? Was that because I thought it was Tetris as well? Well, you know what? We reported on a couple of things because episode one hundred and sixty-four talks about a giant uh, game of uh, uh, of Tetris turning it. Um, I have to re-listen to the episode to to figure out where where it is. Oh, it's on the MIT building. Uh. It? So this that was on the MIT building, and Pong was mentioned in episode two hundred and eight. And I confess, I'm, this is not from memory. This is from my search. <laughs> yeah. Two, episode 208. <laughs> but I believe that that Pong was on that same building. Yeah, it was. I think it was. Year. It was on the Sarah Center. That's right. That was and t- yeah. done by the same person who's yep. putting on this Tetris That's game. That's right. So here's the thing, Brad. Th- three years in a row, we had Tetris on the MIT building in 2012, Pong on the Sarah Center in 2013, and, and here in 2014, we have Tetris, Tetris on the Sarah Center. Center. That's right. <laughs> yep. So <laughs> that's kind of cool. It's part of the, uh, well, sorry, it coincides with the 30th anniversary of Tetris. Oh, 30 years old. Yeah. And it's this whole thing, by the way, is part of Philly Tech Week. Mm. So, uh, mm. anyway, there you go. Uh, actually, by the way, Frank Lee, the game designer who, who uh, oversaw the creation of this giant display, already holds a Guinness World Record for the world's largest, 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 <laughs> for the, <laughs> hang on, do that again, for the world's largest architectural video game display. And that's when, uh, that goes back actually to when they had Pong on that same so building. when we talked about Pong, yeah. That's right, yeah. <laughs> so Tetris would be quite cool on that too. As I say, it was done on the MIT building, so it'd be nice if they had done another game so, like Space yeah. Invaders, but that's Well, right. I, I can see that they've done Tetris because it's 30 years old, but oh, I, yeah, yeah. I really yeah. would have preferred to see them play pl- Flappy Birds. <laughs> you know what? That would have been awesome. Brett, that is brilliant. You know, we've got, we got to tell them to do that next year. Is, 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 is now fading out of, yeah, of the, the, the topic of conversation, but it, on uh, on the side of a building, it would still be, you know, that would be still brilliant. fresh in the mind. Everybody still knows what Flappy That would be absolute. Brett, I love it. we got to get a message out there to tell them to do. Okay, here's our challenge to the world. First game of Flappy Bird on a building. There's our challenge, right? (laughs) (laughs) You heard it here first on Boys of Tech. All right, Brett, that is the international section. After the short musical ditty, uh, I've got one New Zealand story to cover. Don't go away. All righty, welcome back. And really, it's just a, a very mini story. It's just to say that prices are going to change on the Apple App Store very slightly. They're making some price adjustments to reflect ex, uh, fluctuations in the exchange rate. In what some it, cases slightly, in some cases not so slightly. Well, that's right. But for uh, uh, specifically for New Zealand, 
the prices are going to be dropped. Some prices are going to be dropped, which will be great. Now, this, they're, they're doing adjustments across the board, across all currencies, because the US dollar obviously has fluctuated mm. you know, since the last change. And just to give an example of what it will mean uh, for our... Uh, friends across the ditch in Australia, if you're not familiar with that term, because their prices are going up. So Minecraft, which used to cost six ninety nine uh, uh, AU, will now cost eight ninety nine Australian. Indeed, mm. a two dollar increase. Mm. To get yeah, for Minecraft New Zealand. So, so for, on the news, as I say, for New Zealand, some of the prices are coming down because we've got a strong dollar. Yeah, which is weird. It's like we're one of the only countries in the world that is getting a price decrease on certain things in the app store whereas the 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 average for everywhere else is going to go up yeah (laughs) cool huh (laughs) anyway i thought i'd throw that in there just at the end uh just so we get a little new zealand story in there our one little benefit for (laughs) for exchange rates Mm. (laughs) when we get shafted for most of the rest of the yeah exactly exactly (laughs) oh yeah to have some benefit at some point yeah, exactly it's good nice to have that little uh, little bit of positiveness so <laughs> alright Brett look let's leave it there that is episode 270 want to thank you very much for co-hosting always a pleasure Ed. and this little midweek update episode ended up being just as long as our last episode <laughs> <laughs> anyway Brett thanks very much see you all again next week leave some comments on our website boysoftech.com love to hear from you take care see you next time goodbye ciao